Viktor Orban is looking how the political landscape in different countries is developing. He's trying to play this political game that, that would definitely favor his also domestic electorate needs. Even if the veto Hungary as becomes a reality, uh, there are all already different options um, on the table proposed by the Commission. Ukraine, with a very highly likelihood, will get its uh, much-needed financial support. Today on the Beyond the Byline podcast, on January 10th, EU member states reached an agreement to initiate talks with the European Parliament concerning a 50 billion euros aid package for Ukraine by providing a partial negotiation mandate. Hungary hasn't backed down yet though, so what are the obstacles Viktor Orban can raise along the way? I am Evi Kiori. Welcome to Euractiv's Beyond the Byline podcast. After disrupting the December summit, Hungary is now making new requests to Brussels to lift its veto on the European Union's proposed 50 billion euros fund for Ukraine. The fund, called the Ukraine Facility, aims to provide financial assistance to Kyiv between 2024 and 2027 for its public deficit, essential services and reconstruction efforts. Originally, the facility was meant to be in operation by now, but Hungary's Prime Minister Viktor Orban vetoed the proposal during a recent meeting of the European Council linked to a broader review of the EU's common budget. What can we make out of the initiation of this new round of talks? The process of adoption of Ukraine facility is nearing to its conclusion. Uh, we do see that everyone that, that is so much actively involved for, for now many months and many weeks uh, in this process They want to um, see this process bear fruits. I think it would be um, good to start with understanding what does exactly the partial mandate or the partial position mean. Um, uh, so this will serve as the European Council mandate, the EU mandate for negotiations with the European uh, Parliament on the exact Ukraine facility. And once the agreement will be reached uh, between the Council and the Parliament, Uh, the regulation will need to be um, sort of formally um, adopted, so going through the typical standard uh, process. Andriy Kornichuk is policy analyst at the Foundation for European Progressive Studies. I think it's also useful um, perhaps to, to quickly um, remind the listeners what is exactly behind the Ukraine facility, what's the whole idea. So the idea is to, is to pull um, the EU budget support for Ukraine into one single instrument, uh, which would provides somewhat coherent and what is very important for Ukraine, predictable and flexible support um, for the longer period, so 2024-2027. Uh, so basically, um, one has to answer what, what, what happens next is the Belgium, which is currently the chair of uh, the rotating presidency, can now start this negotiating uh, process, but it will neg- negotiate everything beside the, the, the what was perhaps the most important, the figures the exact numbers that should go into uh, the initial proposal uh, on the 50 billion. So we we have all the structured discussions, uh, maybe technicalities, but the most important, the essence, which is still this uh, highly debated issue, is the exact numbers. So what would be the exact numbers going into that? Andriy, how is this 50 billion euros going to be streamlined? Does the Commission have a plan on where to allocate these funds? From what was initially proposed by the European Commission uh, out of 50 billion, it was divided into loans and grants. And obviously, I think if you um, stand in the position of Kyiv, um, so from Ukraine, um, grants are more preferable <laughs> because loans necessarily will have to be paid 
um, by the citizens, by, by the Ukrainians saying in the future. But the, the addition was more, or the division was that the 17 billion uh, should have been, um, um, or should should be transferred in grants, and 33 billion would be um, the transfers and so-called non-budget loans until 2027. At the same time, uh, there's, of course, uh, this focus on uh, supporting Ukraine immediate needs, but also what is essential for both parties, the EU member states and Ukraine, and certainly this uh, path that Ukraine uh, has now embarked on officially with the start of the EU uh, EU accession process. So helping Ukraine align this legislation and all the requirements sort of to progress on that stage. Uh, on, on that uh, path to EU accession. And what role does Viktor Orban play on this matter right now? Um, yeah, so we uh, we see a certain continuity on on uh, on everyone's side <laughs> in a way. Ukraine is very much interested in, in having this adopted as soon as possible. The majority of the member states, so everyone except Hungary, uh, always speaks of um, strong and continuous support for Ukraine, um, uh, as long as it takes to uh, for, for Ukraine to um, succeed in this war effort and its European integration. So in a way, these talks always come back to, to, to this essence that now we have to talk about the money because the financial support for Ukraine is so much crucial in, a, in what is promises to be a very difficult and challenging year. Um, so um, uh, Viktor Orban uh, certainly is trying to, to strike a deal, this quid pro quo kind of deal where he... Uh, uh, what one might assume from the reports we get that his main reservation is, of course, trying to uh, speak to his own domestic electorate and getting unblocked um, the, the EU funds that uh, Hungary has been promised a long time ago. But obviously, these uh, uh, have been stalled for all the different reasons, uh, many of which are connected with the situation with the rule of law in, in Hungary. So in, in a way, Viktor Orban sees this opportunity to, to get these funds unlocked because he understands the urgency that everyone is, is facing with transferring this money to Ukraine, which really Ukraine needs. Uh, it needed, as they say, it already needed yesterday um, because of the uh, developments uh, on the battlefield, but also because of the needs that, that Ukraine faces. Orban sees the Ukraine facility as a pragmatic opportunity to secure much-needed financing. This strategic move not only addresses Hungary's economic challenges, but also strengthens Orban's domestic legitimacy, aligning with his aspirations for effective leadership and economic performance. Viktor Orban, obviously, he, within his own way of uh, using a nice rhetoric, he describes it as the need to uh, establish such an instrument which uh, would allow maybe to oversee these funds um, on a regular basis, uh, hence not uh, adopting something that would be available for several years, but coming back and uh, discussing this, these allocation of funds every year, which obviously in case of both other member states and Ukraine is seen as highly um, uh, unfavorable solution. The, the proposal that Hungary comes with is, is that we should uh, look at these funds being discussed on an annual basis, which essentially means that uh, it can be vetoed every year. But one has to also remember that I think that Viktor Orban is looking how the political landscape in different countries is developing. He is looking what happened recently in the Netherlands with Hart Wilders uh, uh, winning the elections. And he thinks that, again, in one year or two years' time, he might have even a stronger backing on his side in terms of these allocation of funds to Ukraine or maybe shifting priorities, shifting this money or not transferring a smaller amount 
uh, to Ukraine. So in a sense, he's trying to play this political game that that would definitely favor his also domestic electorate and his domestic needs. And Hungary is next in line to lead the council's presidency. Is there a thought that this could change the dynamics on how the situation will develop regarding the Ukraine facility? Such possibility um, is being already discussed uh, or um, different um, and individual actors participating in the process are preparing for it. <laughs> We understand that Well, um, the EU's uh, landscape uh, is one of continuity, one of exchange of constant negotiations. So I'm quite sure that even these reports that Charles Michel would like to step down um, and um, sort of as, as, as the president, and, and then this would even open uh, to strengthen even more sort of the presence of Viktor Orban on, on this uh, EU uh, political scene uh, for, for several months. Uh, I think different contingency plans are being developed, actually, and, and the thinking goes to, to that. But uh, indeed, uh, on a very practical level, that, that can have an impact, because let's, let's again maybe recall what, what the presidency might entail or usually entails in the pragmatic. So uh, the presidency, a rotating presidency of different uh, member states, sets the council's agenda, it chairs the meeting. Uh, it represents EU usually in external affairs as well. So um, it might seem sometimes as, as it's quite symbolic things, but uh, it's they have a very practical, concrete dimension. Because why why can't we imagine a scenario in which uh, the Hungary would like to set up quite differently uh, its, its own agenda in terms of discussions and shift it a bit away from supporting Ukraine? So th- th- this could be possible. But, but I think uh, we shouldn't also be too naive thinking that uh, this, come, this will come as, as a surprise to, uh, to all the uh, stakeholders in, in, in this process. Um, I think they, they are aware, they have this record now of, of several months, even year, already two years of um, the sort of Hungary stance on, on the Russia-Ukraine war. So in that sense, um, different mechanisms w- would be developed. And again, EU, uh, maybe as sometimes people view it as a slow um, uh, machine that w- which grinds the, these processes, the grind slowly moves slowly, but at the same time, it also ensures some continuity, which would not be too uh, easy for Hungary uh, to, to uh, sort of unravel, to stop. Um, so in that sense, uh, that gives a certain degree of optimism, even Uh, for the presidency that might seem not too favorable for Ukraine. But the Commission seems to be considering all possibilities, especially when Hungary will be leading the presidency. So even in the case of a potential Hungarian veto, various options proposed by the Commission are actively under consideration. Even if the veto Hungary as becomes a reality, uh, there are already different options um, on the table proposed by the Commission being actively discussed, which essentially perhaps bring us to the summary that uh, Ukraine, with a very highly likelihood, will get its uh, much-needed financial uh, support. Um, if the most essential is in what form it gets it, and, and uh, it, it is indeed a crucial agenda point we should be looking into the next uh, days, uh, weeks, uh, because uh, essentially it will also mold uh, the type of uh, the path Ukraine will follow in its war effort in the next year. Again, the, the longer, the more stable the financing it receives, the easier uh, for Ukraine is to manage these harsh conditions. The shorter term support and the more overview or review rather of the support comes in hand year by year, 
the more difficult uh, it becomes for Ukraine to have strategic planning and implement uh, different reforms. So for all those who are in support of Ukraine's accession and European aspiration, we should keep our fingers crossed that the ultimately uh, solutions is being found. And maybe we need another cup of coffee for Viktor Orban uh, during the next uh, meeting of uh, European leaders. Thank you very much. I am Evi Kiori and this was your Actives Beyond the Byline podcast. Visit your Actives to stay on top of the latest news, sign up to our podcast newsletter and if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, you can do so on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music or wherever it is that you're listening to your podcast. Thank you for tuning in and until next time. As part of our commitment to accuracy, inclusion and transparency, your Active is part of the Trust Project.